chapter ten part one of shores of the polar sea a narrative of the arctic expedition of eighteen seventy five seventy six this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by betty b shores of the polar sea by edward lawton moss chapter ten part one summer at floberg beach was an affair of weeks almost of days the turning point came silently and quickly not in quite the demonstrative fashion some of us expected with an abrupt bursting forth of ravines and a general rush of torrents to the sea but still suddenly three-fourths of the snow disappeared as if by magic and the dark patches of bare land grew broader and broader every day in some places the earth passed at once from frozen rock to dust in others marshy spots formed and there the whole ground was cut up into the hexagonal bosses that form a very striking feature in arctic foregrounds a view of floberg beach from cape rawson plate number four sketched on eighteenth july gives us an idea of how the land looked in summer even near the shores it is never altogether free from snow permanent drifts lie in the hollows and from the crests of the cliffs at cape rawson a great bank several hundred feet in height sloped downward to the mud flats below trickling streams cut their way vertically down through the snow or flow in tunnels under it then wind across the marshy flats and end in some of the ravines that intersect the land like lancashire clouds for great part of the year the ravines are merely more or less deep grooves in the monotonous undulating whiteness but in summer they hold brown foaming torrents rushing between steep undermined banks of snow white unfordable if deeper than the knee these are the rivers of the country but they cannot run out to sea like ordinary streams the grounded pack edge prevents them so they expend much of their energy in destroying the green one season's ice filling the lagoon between barrier bergs and beach the snow was no sooner off the land than the flowers were in bloom not very gorgeous specimens certainly but still flowers and with more than their share of tender sentiment as might be seen by many bright little nosegays gathered for our invalids by the rough hands of messmates first came close clumps of magenta tinted saxifrage with scarcely a trace of a leaf and fading as fast as it bloomed then tiny yellow drabus and white coltsfoot and woolly willow catkins and later when the sorrel leaves each as large as a sixpence began to get red and tasteless the yellow poppies appeared and with them the delicately tinted strawberry-like flowers of dryas octopetala plants were of course few and far between for example four men searching all day could just gather one plateful of the valuable sorrel all too were on the most lilliputian scale seldom more than an inch above ground but with immensely long roots sometimes as we sat sketching or picking sorrel a mosquito or two would present themselves but they did not bite like their brethren of the greenland settlements a small sort of dragonfly was not uncommon near pools and now and then a small brown butterfly an arginus or more rarely a yellow coleus would flit by looking somewhat incongruous among the rocks and snow 
birds soon became comparatively plenty graceful gray tern fluttered about over cracks in the floes and dipped into the pools for the little shrimps that came to the surface flocks of knots exceedingly wild and quick of wing were commonly seen wading about in marshy places a pair of snowy owls reared a brood on the cliffs of the north ravine the parents supplied an excellent dish and the young ones were made pets of one of them called mordecai on account of his asian profile became a great favorite in consequence of his quaintly gluttonous habits a few king duck and brent geese chose grantland as a safe nursery for their coming broods stringent game laws were enacted in order that they might not be frightened away before they had made up their minds on the subject we altogether underrated the sagacity of these creatures birds accustomed to winter perhaps on our own shores would of course be familiar with man but we hoped they might take us for eskimo armed with bows and arrows and we were not at all prepared for their accurate knowledge of the range of elay wire cartridge in our guy and moncrief central fires all were not so well informed however one day an officer wandering about the mud flats was brought to a standstill by the extreme stickiness of the ground and was endeavoring to extract his boot from a muddy place where it had stuck fast when a pair of geese impelled by most convenient curiosity flew round him once or twice and lit within a hundred yards then stretching out their necks straight in front walked deliberately up till there was less risk of missing than of blowing them to fragments these birds no doubt come north in search of safety for themselves and their broods during the nursing season later on when the expedition was on its way southward two of our sportsmen encountered a large flock thus deprived of their pinions and secured no less than seventy birds in fourteen shots apropos of shooting the following curiously improbable personal incident is perhaps worth narrating one evening shortly before the ship broke out of winter quarters i took my rifle and went shoreward to try and find a hare but after a long search was returning unsuccessful when i happened to discover a king duck swimming about in a small lake there was little chance of hitting her but she would at any rate give an excuse for a shot after trying for twenty minutes to get within moderate range it was plain that there was nothing for it but to walk straight up through the crunching snow but the bird's patience was exhausted and she rose on the wing a good hundred yards off in sheer annoyance and chagrin i fired when most unexpectedly out flew the feathers and down fell the duck on going to pick her up marveling greatly at the munchausen-like luck of the shot and hoping that the hole was not through the best part of the bird was my amazement to discover that she was not only alive but perfectly unhurt turn her over how i would there was not a speck of blood on the feathers or a scratch on any part of the body at last the secret was discovered the bullet had clipped the pinions off one wing and the fall had stunned the bird she afterwards lived some time in captivity in a hen coop and laid two eggs we had not spent many days roaming over our newly uncovered lands before we began to suspect that tracks of game were in our part of the arctic regions at any rate extremely misleading on the way northward whenever the ship came to a standstill amongst the floes 
men and officers often made hurried visits to the shore and invariably came off with the stereotyped report that traces of game were numerous and recent we found so many traces and so little game that the phrase acquired an inverted meaning and passed into a proverb but the discrepancy remained unaccounted for at floberg beach tracks of game were certainly numerous enough the hard frozen mud at the margins of every pool showed footprints of birds often so sharp and distinct that rubbings with pencil and paper were easily made of them and sometimes in relief where dust had filled the impression and ice evaporation afterwards lowered the mold in some places tracks of musk oxen were abundant and of every size from the little round footprints of calves to the broad hoof marks of full-grown animals but there was absolutely no way of telling when or in what numbers the game had been there once frozen a footprint may last indefinitely especially if protected by snow and for aught we could prove to the contrary some of the tracks may have been as old as the celebrated mammoth frozen up in the siberian mud on fifth july however those who contended that the tracks were practically fossil were confounded by the appearance of three musk oxen on a hilltop beyond the north ravine their discoverer instantly set off news to the ship and very judiciously waited patiently till the arrival of assistance rendered their escape impossible a few mornings afterwards a fine bull walked innocently down to the beach near the ship and was forthwith slaughtered being a good specimen and close at hand he was transferred to the naturalist and he now represents his species in the british museum End of chapter 10 part 1